David said in verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old. I was meditating on this verse all day yesterday, actually for several days this week. And I nearly can't get past that one statement right there. I have been young and now I'm old. Anybody have that same testimony in here this morning? <laughs> no matter what age you are, every one of us could say, I have been young and now I'm at least older, right? But I got to thinking about what that one half sentence means. I was young, now I'm old. And there's a lot in that. To be able to say that means that you've lived a life and the Lord's kept you. And he's sustained you. And along the way, he's provided. Along the way, he's healed you. Along the way, this thing that came and tried to take you out and take you down wasn't able to take you out, wasn't able to take you down. You were young, and now you're old because of the goodness of the Lord. And as I was meditating, this, just this one statement, it got me thinking about my grandparents, Sarah's grandparents. Just a week or so ago, we got to spend a few days with... Sarah's Mimi and Papa, who are some of our most faithful legacy church members. Uh, they live in Branson, Missouri. They kind of live the furthest from the house, but they watch. They are a part of these services, actually maybe watching us right now. Love you, Mimi. Love you, Papa. Uh, but we got to spend some good time with them. You know, and they could say, they could say the same thing David said. I was young, now I'm old. But what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means you've seen some stuff. It means you've been alive on this planet and up walking around long enough where you've seen some stuff. And one of the things I love and have come to love and appreciate, value and honor more than I ever did as a younger man about my grandparents and about that generation, I, I, I love how cool they are. I love how they don't lose it over stuff. They're looking at all the same news you and I are looking at. They hear all the same reports, living in the same nation, got the same government, got the same president, got the same Congress. But they just don't seem as affected by it. You know what I mean? Why? Because they've seen everything. Yeah, I don't know, everything gets repackaged in new ways and people are like, we've never seen anything like this on earth. Well, ask somebody who's up around 70, 80 years old. And you know what they're going to tell you? We've seen it. it. Maybe it didn't look just like this, but we've seen it. I love, after everything they've seen, how cool they are. I want to be like that. I want to be 70-something, 80-something. Now, not like today, but... I do want to possess that same stability. And I so value that and appreciate that about my grandparents, Sarah's grandparents. They have seen some stuff. And David, we know some stuff he saw. We know some of, of the experiences in his life, don't we? All the way back to when he was a young man, 17 years old. He thought he was just delivering some food to his brothers. And he saw a big old giant standing out on the battlefield and said, why anybody fighting this guy? I'll fight this guy. And changed the whole trajectory of his life. He's seen some stuff. 
Man, he was there when the Lord delivered the, his, the, the nation of Israel. He saw it firsthand, how God was faithful over and over and over again. He's experienced some things. And now he's saying, I was young, now I'm old. But notice what he says. <laughs> Almost in a way to sum up his life and his experience, he says, I've been young, now I'm old. But let me tell you what I've never seen. You know what I've never seen? I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I have never seen his descendants begging for bread. I'm an old man, and yeah, I've seen some stuff, but I've never seen that. I've never seen this one who is in right standing with God forsaken by God. By God. Now, just a few chapters before this, David himself wrote, even when my mother and my father forsake me, he holds me near. So there are those in this life, are there not? Just because you're right with God, accepted by God, approved by God, does not mean you are approved of and accepted by every person on this planet. So what do you do when you get that feeling of rejection? What do you do when you experience what it is to be disapproved of, to be rejected? And again, we've all been there. Number one, you've got to recognize what's behind that. The enemy's behind it. And what he wants to do is make you and I feel so isolated. He wants us to feel so disconnected because somebody rejected or disapproved of us. He wants that feeling of loneliness to be all you're aware of in life. Do you realize right now in this nation and around the world, there is literally an epidemic of loneliness? Literally, medical science is writing papers on this right now. I was digging into this this weekend and found an article that came out like a month ago about the epidemic of loneliness that's going across this nation. They said it even began prior to COVID, but was magnified by COVID. And we all experienced that, right? I mean, they literally told us, stay away from each other. Come on, is that the enemy or what? And if you would just stay six feet away, now not five feet, 10 inches, because then you might get sick and die, but six feet, right? Disconnect, isolate. And I don't think people fully realized the habit they got into of living a disconnected life, living at a distance from one another. And Satan, he's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we know that that sickness, that, that virus, he's in that. But I got to tell you what else he's in. He's in people disconnecting. This is his big aim. This is his big goal. 
Let me put some distance between you and whatever is a flow of life to you. Because if I can create some distance between you, then I can cut off all that life that flows through and to one another. So he loves it when people feel isolated. And this is what's behind feeling rejected, feeling disapproved of, being out of right fellowship and right relationship with one another. So what do you do? Do you just yield to that? Do you just yield to the epidemic of loneliness? Do you just decide, well, because this one hurt me, this one rejected me, I'm never getting close again. I'm never stepping into fellowship or relationship again. This hurt, this church hurt me. Oh, don't get me started. So what do you do? You, you, you just decide to live isolated? You just decide to live alone? Can I tell you who's not okay with that? God himself is not okay with that. And he's not okay with this epidemic of loneliness. The righteous should not be living disconnected. I mean, think about it. If, if we were able to bridge the gap between, that existed between us and God, what's this little thing between me and you? What's this little thing between each other? That's nothing. We should not be living disconnected. And yet I know it happens. I know we, we experience rejection. I know that. I know that. What do you do? What do you do? Oh, thank you, Lord. What did David say? I've never seen the righteous, those in right fellowship with God, forsaken. I know other people will. I know family will forsake. I know family will, other translations say, abandon. Listen to what that word means. This word forsaken or abandon, as other translations say, means to leave destitute, lacking something needed or desirable to suffer poverty. And David said, I've never seen the righteous left forsaken, destitute, suffering poverty. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says in the book of Psalms 68, verse 6, that God sets the solitary in a family. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. The New Living Translation says, God places the lonely in families. That should tell us he's not okay with you out living disconnected, living isolated because you experienced some rejection. Where do you go when you're experiencing that? Go to the book of Genesis with me, if you would, please. I want to show you somebody who experienced rejection, perhaps like none of us ever have. In the book of Genesis chapter 37, we begin reading about a young man named Joseph. And in Genesis chapter 37, verse 1, it says, Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, this is a young man, 
was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So get the picture here of the kind of environment Joseph is growing up in. He's got a bunch of brothers. He's like one of 12, right? And they hate him. This is his own family. They couldn't even speak peaceably to him. They couldn't just have a normal conversation with him. They rejected him. Why? Because he was loved. He was loved. And I'll add this. He had a revelation of it. Of his right standing with his father. And that can tick some people off. And it ticked these guys off. They couldn't speak peaceably to him. Joseph, you know the story. He had dreams. He told them the dreams. And he said, hear this dream, which I've dreamed, verse 7. There, were, um, there we were binding sheaves in the field. Behold, my sheaf arose also and stood upright. Indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to mine. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And it never got any better, honestly. He kept dreaming and he kept telling his family about the dreams and they hated him even more and they hated him even more. And one day his brothers were out tending the flocks and his dad said, I want you to go check on them. So Joseph leaves the house to go check on them and he, he gets near to where they are. And the Bible says they saw him coming a long way off. And from the moment they saw him, they began to plot with one another how to kill him. Now, you might have grown up in a rough house. I dare say nobody in your house sat around when they saw you coming down the street and said, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Now, they may have said, I'm going to kill you, but nobody ever actually meant it, right? Maybe you grew up in a house with a bunch of brothers and sisters, but nobody ever actually sat down and plotted how to kill you. You think you've experienced some rejection? This is his own flesh and blood. And they said, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. But he had this one brother. Oh, thank God for this brother. His name was Reuben. He's the good brother. And the good brother says, no, don't kill him. Thank God for the good brother. What the good brother says was, let's throw him in a pit. When the guy who's on your side still wants to throw you in a pit, you are experiencing some rejection. Come on, is he accepted into this family? No. Is he approved of by his brothers? No. He's forsaken. They would really like to leave him destitute, and that is exactly what they did. They threw him in a pit, and if that wasn't cold-blooded enough, you know what the Bible says in this very chapter? It goes on to say they threw him in a pit, and down around verse 24, they took him, cast him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Verse 25, and they sat down to a meal. That's cold, man. You have got to be cold-blooded to take your brother, throw him in a pit where there's nothing to eat or drink, and then be like, what y'all want to eat? And they sat down to a meal. And you know what happened? There came this band of Midianites, and they got this idea. Look, it does us no good to kill him. Let's sell him. So they sold him into slavery. 
And we pick up here in chapter 39. Look at this with me. Talk about being forsaken. Talk about being abandoned, rejected. I mean, when you're literally physically alone in a pit, would it be possible to have some feelings of rejection in that pit with you? Would it be possible to be feeling a little bit uh, unaccepted? And they've sold him into slavery in chapter 39, verse 1. It says, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. It is not, I repeat, it is not okay for a born-again child of God to suffer through an epidemic of loneliness. It is not okay for you or for me to go through this life with nothing but an awareness of how rejected we've been by people, how unaccepted we've been by others, even family, when you have got a God who has never David said, forsaken the righteous, never abandoned them, never left them destitute. David says, I've been young, now I'm old, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I'd add to it, and he's not going to start with you. Here's Joseph, literally, physically rejected by everybody in his life, and yet, the Lord was with him. Look at what happens when the Lord's with you. Verse 2, the Lord was with him, and he was a successful man. Other translations say he was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. Watch how many times this comes up. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. This is what happens when the Lord's with you, because you're not forsaken. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Now as far as pickup lines go, this is not the most subtle, I think. And I don't think she was saying, come, let's say things that aren't true together. I think lie with me meant something else. We don't have to get into all that. But this pressure she's putting on him, lie with me, she said. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what's with me in the house and he has committed all that he has in my hand. There's no one greater in this house than I, nor uh, has uh, he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against my master? Against God. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. This is pressure. Lie with me. Lie with me. Lie with me. 
that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside. It's a problem. It's a problem when there's no men in the house. That she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So it was that when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, she called to the men of the house and spoke to them saying, See, he's brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me. And I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his, his garment with her until his master came home. And then she spoke to him with words like these saying, The Hebrew servant came whom you brought to us. Uh, she's just not an attractive woman in my mind. I'm sorry. I just... I'm sorry. He came in to mock me, so it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Joseph's master took him, put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was in prison. Notice it doesn't say his master went to him and said, What was your side of the story? What was your side of the story? Because his side of the story would have been, I ran, man. You want to know why Joseph ended up in prison? Well, she lied about him. No, that's not why. Because there was no men in the house. Had there been anybody else in the house, somebody could have backed up a different story. No men in the house. I'm just going to let that sit. We need some men in the house. We need some men who will do the right thing in the house. Who won't be pressured by this woman and women like her. We need some men in the house. Amen? But here he is again, rejected. Rejected by now it's an employer who had trusted him and put him in a place of power. Rejected. Disapproved of. And he ends up in prison. Would it be possible... To feel a little lonely, down in a dungeon where you don't belong. Everybody always lies about me. Everybody, everybody hates me. Everybody tries to sell me as a slave. Now, I've never personally said that, and I don't think any of you have either. But would it be possible? It would be. To feel that way. And yet, verse 21 the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. For time's sake, we won't read the rest of this story, but you know it, don't you? That he spent years there and that at one point, two other guys got thrown in prison and it was the king's butler, the king's baker, and one day Joseph came in to where these two guys were sitting. And Joseph looks at them and says, why are you guys so sad today? Come on, this is some insight into what gave this man some victory. Why are you guys so sad today? I think if he had asked me, I would have said, we're in prison, bro. And you are too, lest you have forgotten. Why are you guys so sad today? 
And they go through this whole thing. They've both had dreams. And, and Joseph says, well, don't dreams belong to God? Tell me the dream and we'll interpret it. And one of them had a dream and Joseph interpreted it and the other had a dream and he interpreted that as well. And, and Joseph said, hey, listen, when this happens, when you get called back up before the king, don't forget about me. He said, I'm down here in prison. Don't forget about me. And what happened? They forgot all about him. Would it be possible to be sitting in prison for years and years more while somebody is out there free who has forgotten about you? Would it be possible to sit down there and get so self-centered, so self-focused? I just feel so rejected. I just feel like nobody loves me. What does this man have a, a revelation of? The Lord is with me. It is not okay for the righteous, that's me, to live their whole lives as a lonely person. Even when you're rejected by family, even when you're rejected by friends, even when you've been lied about, lied on, cheated out of, wrongly thrown into prison, the Lord is with you. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you've been just stewing in feelings of loneliness and rejection, what you're lacking is an awareness of the constant presence of God. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. And just as we're making righteousness our confession, we've got to begin to make His presence our confession. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.